0: we all know are disgusting, horrible creatures, but they're also fascinating. There's so many different kinds and they're so ugly and they bite. So naturally, Hollywood started exploiting our fear and fascination with bugs in the early 50s. These early bug monster films, born out of the atomic age, continued to blossom into a few new genres of big bug movies, then died out, then came back, then died out, then came back, numerous times over the next 50 or so years, and they still turn up every now and then today. So we're gonna dig down deep into the burrows of film history to suck all the blood out of big bugs. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate, And I'm Tom. And each week,
1: one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from s and Nazis, to murderous children, to big-ass insects. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. I'm pumped for today's episode. Yeah, I, mean, I am too. Because bugs are horrible. They are horrible but let's talk a little bit more about some stuff from last season before we get started i think you had a couple of corrections and comments and stuff from yeah, listeners I you want to tell me about them
1: we've been eliciting feedback and we've got a lot yeah so uh, we really appreciate when people take the time to drop us a line or give us an email or just comment on something sure and we get corrections or things that we'd gotten wrong and we get called out on it which is what we
0: ask for yeah we get it all the time
1: and we love it yeah we love it too so and i have one from last season from street gangs mm-hmm. in street gangs i mentioned you know the tv shows like the wire or whatever and i mentioned the shield it's a Sean Ryan produced a TV show about crooked cops, and I mentioned all the gangs and stuff there. These fictional gangs are in another show that was called Sons of Anarchy that was also right, on yeah. the same channel. And I don't know how I got my research fucked up. I fucked it up. But I thought Sean Ryan was involved with that show too. Mm-hmm. Sean Ryan wasn't the showrunner on Sons of Anarchy. It was actually Kurt Sutter. Oh, from Scott. He also mentioned a couple other movies that he said were good for street gangs. One was called Lords of Flatbush that actually starred Sylvester Stallone and Henry Winkler, you know, before Stallone was in Rambo, sure, before yeah. Winkler was in The Fonz. So that was an old movie I wasn't able to get from my research. Yeah, cool. And so, again, thanks again, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. And we got another email concerning the Street Gangs episode, and it was by longtime listener AJ, oh, yeah. who's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been a, an avid listener, and we always appreciate that. But he sent an email. It's kind of funny uh, that in regards to Street Gangs, where a former, like, warlord street gang person actually helped him change his tire. Yeah. It was a very entertaining story. So funny. So that's... Samaritan, even if
0: you guys want to just tell us stories, right. we're, I mean, we we're, always like good stories, yeah. and so
1: thanks for that entertaining read, AJ. Thanks, AJ. That was always fun. And then we got another comment for a different episode of mine on rape revenge by listener Chris, and he has a blog called Claws at Gunpoint. Yeah, yeah. And he mentioned the film Liquid Sky, that said it's like a rape revenge movie with aliens. And which I looked it up. I meant to like say an- something It was more like more animated,
0: wasn't it? Like no, a- I
1: think it's not animated. Oh, it's sorry, a- maybe i no, confused. no. You're thinking like, it the, liquid- cover is, the cover is the cover is like yeah. Yeah. looks really weird, animated, punk, rocky kind it's, of. That's of right. Damn.
0: It's so weird how I know most movies from the '80s from the VHS VHS boxes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Aging myself a bit there. That reminds me, this movie all
1: saw in the video store, it's called Future Kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. I just know it's called Future Kill. But it had a really cool cover like with a hand over a face or yeah. whatever. And it was done by Austrian artist H.R. Giger. You know, did Alien and everything. Sure, so Awesome cover to what was probably a very shit movie, but mm-hmm. I always remembered it and thought it was cool. Old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's us. Okay. That everything? Yeah, that's everything I've got right. for this episode. So again, thanks for all the feedback, everybody. Thanks, Please everyone. Keep it coming. Stories, feedback,
0: corrections. Alright, you're ready to talk about Big Bugs. Fuck yes, I'm ready to talk about Big Bugs. You ain't like it! So I want to start by talking about bugs in general, all of which are horrible. I had to look this up on kids' sites because entomology, which is the study of insects, is really complicated and has a lot of Latin words. Mm. I kept being like, I know, I would read like four words and be like, I don't know what any of that means. I could, I just didn't understand. So most of this came from National Geographic Kids because that's the only way I can understand things.
1: All right, well here's the thing. I think that you should have to muddle through and try to pronounce them. I, damn it! And through parasites, I was fucking things up but I boldly went forward and tried to
0: say him anyway. You made a decision to do it that way? (laughs) That's your thing? Uh, It has nothing to do with me? Shit. All right. So according to National Geographic Kids, Mm -hmm. insects are small animals with six legs and a hard outer shell called an exoskeleton. Mm -hmm. So most insects have wings and antennae. Spiders are air-breathing arthropods that have eight legs, so they aren't insects, but they can be butterflies, scorpions, centipedes, locusts, and even underwater crabs. Mm. And a bug is something else. It has a small tube that sucks juices from plants, like a beetle, for example. Mm -hmm. Bugs can be insects, but not all insects are bugs. But for today's purposes, I'm just calling a big bug anything that is on land that grows or is born a much larger than average size bug and torments people. Yeah, that's good. It's kind of the land version of my episode on underwater slaughter. That's fine. Yeah. The first big bug movie ever was Them from 1954. Yep. That's a good one. Uh, It's Them! Right, don't forget that. Them is about a pack of huge nuclear killer ants and on paper reads like a pretty mediocre monster movie from the beginning of the Atomic Age, but it actually ended up being considered one of the best movies of the 50s, due mainly to working around most of its technical difficulties, namely the actual huge ant robots that they made for the film. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Up until now, most monster movies were people in costumes or small monsters projected to look like big monsters on green screens. Right. A few examples, The Thing from Another World from 1951 was a man in an alien costume. Mm-hmm. The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms was a normal sized lizard projected to look like a giant lizard. right? Or a creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954, which was a man in a lizard costumes. So you get the point. People in costumes was, yeah, yeah, yeah. was kind of what a monster was back mm-hmm. then. So when Them came along and actually had giant, real ant robot puppets, it, it felt pretty new. Right. Yeah. Them is about a desert town in New Mexico that is being terrorized by something. After a few people are found. Found dead and formic acid and sugar are found as clues. It's revealed that a colony of giant ants mutated by radiation from an atomic bomb test is responsible. Mm-hmm. An educational projector film is shown about how the ants behave. This is very important later. Mm-hmm. And the humans begin a man versus monster story. Yeah. Two of the queen ants head into the spillways in LA and all hell breaks loose as the human race must figure out how to outsmart nature when confided with the dangers of nuclear science. I won't spoiler the ending if you haven't seen it, but it's them is a great movie it's good Uh, so if you haven't seen it it's well worth the watch it's really terrific nature mad rampant wrought its most
1: awesome creation for born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things
0: so horrible so terrifying so hideous there is no word to describe them here is a fear frenzied moment of suspense as mankind totters before a thing that multiplies faster than it can be killed. Here is a desperate plunge into the black depths of the earth, where human courage challenges the brute force, the slashing jaws, the poison fangs that guard the subterranean nest, where the beast spawns its terrible progeny. A few things about them you may not know. It was originally supposed to be a giant color 3D widescreen spectacular, but it got off to a really rocky start. So, like Jaws 20 Years Later, which was, you know, a big shark movie, Mm -hmm. this big ant movie had tech issues from the beginning. It started with cameras and mechanical problems with the giant eight foot ant puppets that were built for the attack scenes. But like Jaws, them was a really big success, too. It eventually won a best special effects Oscar. Critics loved it, and it had one of the few coveted 100% ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't know it was 100%. Yeah. Wow. But I want to talk for a second about how Them and the wave of Big Bug 50s movies came to be. Okay. One, the Atomic Age, duh. You talked about it in Toxic Waste, but basically after we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima in 1945, Hollywood films reacted, albeit in a lot of different ways. Films like All About Eve, Sunset Boulevard, On the Waterfront, A Streetcar Named Desire, all classic films, but they stayed out of international politics. big bug movies dealt with the atomic age in a completely different way of escapism Right, they dealt with nukes politics and science in horrific and fantastical ways and that was starting with Godzilla you talked Fuji about that Rock. a little bit in season yeah. two so if the first thing was the big bomb that made big bug movies the second was an obsession in the 50s with big stuff. Big cars, big homes, big bombs, but most importantly, big movies. By the early to mid 50s, the movies were feeling the super smackdown from TV. TV was cheaper, more convenient. You didn't have to put on pants to go to watch TV. So the movies competed in every way possible on their own level. And that was big. Big stars, big screens like CinemaScope, big drive-in theaters you could watch from your car, and of course, big bugs. Stuff that a tiny 12-inch black and white screen couldn't compete with. TV at that time was Lassie, The Jack Benny Show, Rent and Ten, Father Knows Best, and I Love Lucy. Right. So compared to this kind of family-friendly comedies or, or pet dramas, movies where giant atomic creatures attacking and killing people was a pretty big draw out of the living room. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Them made more money that year than A Star is Born and Hitchcock's Dilemma for Murder. Really? So it was a pretty big draw at a time where even really classic movies weren't making money. Right. They needed more bugs in them. Them was actually the top-grossing Warner Brothers film of 1954. Damn. Hmm. So, of course, everyone's like, we need
1: bugs. Rip it off. Rip it but off right, immediately. Because they're making right.
0: money. We, the kids like bugs. We need to get them in here. Big bug movies have a type of formula, at least throughout the 50s. Right. Um, so, that formula is, atomic thing happens, makes a bug or swarm of bugs large, a scientist shows a film about the bugs and explains how they work, big bugs eat people, and then the bugs are ultimately destroyed based on the knowledge gained from the educational film that we've watched at the beginning of Act 2. Oh, wow. And as movies continue to capitalize on the atomic age and fight tiny TV screens with huge films a swarm of big bug movies followed them in the mid to late 50s eh, you swarm. caught it yeah, okay, sw- great. yeah that's sorry great. sorry, sorry. immediately after them was the naked jungle also from 1954 mm-hmm. it wasn't technically about big bugs but more of a giant army of small ants that attacks Charlton Heston but it was about ants so that kind of brings us to the not so classic tarantula from 1955 <laughs> we watched tarantula a couple weeks we ago did. together forget, yeah. what did you think of tarantula
1: you know some of that spider stuff wasn't bad actually oh. some of their growth like the bigger guinea pigs and yeah shit, that was really Projection stuff that they did yeah effects wise were like that's not bad right i'm trying to remember it because it's been so long now that we watched it but uh, the scientist dynamic and the the woman t- i don't know i don't remember the it half-baked was love stories are yeah, a it was big terrible. part of that yeah, was pretty bad uh,
0: uh, big bug movie so awful. we'll talk about that a little bit but yeah the yeah. romance was um you know some of the effects weren't that bad yeah some were pretty terrible but yeah, agreed no, agreed i think we kind of said at the at the end it was it was a little boring for
1: a monster tarantula movie there needed to be more there yeah a little
0: boring. even science was stunned the new atomic miracle should have been mankind's greatest boon.
1: instead when such power to cause phenomenal growth proved dangerously unstable man was confronted with his most shocking blunder
0: the isotope
1: triggered our nutrient into a nightmare A blunder that transformed a tiny insect into the hundred foot spider that was now ravaging the panic-stricken
0: countryside. Tarantula is not really an atomic age movie because it involves a scientist who is experimenting with gigantism. I put that in quotes because Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a scientific term. And also makes a giant bunny, a giant rat. We talked about that. And they all escape. But since it came right after them, it helps set up some templates for big bug movies. One, flat surfaces like the desert work really well since there's nothing on the green screen that the bug has to interact with while it's walking around. Two, the answer is usually science related. And by tracking the insects' natural instincts, you can outsmart it. I can't remember if there was a film about spiders in tarantula, you know, like to be like, let me show you this film and explain it to you. The world um, of spiders. Yeah, but I think it right. i think it did. But anyway, since, you know, it educates the cast and the audience about what the insects' natural instincts and enemies are, and then there's usually the shitty romance, you know, right. of course. So that's kind of like the template of all of these. Mm-hmm. Speaking of all of these things, four big bug movies came out in 1957. So it went from zero big bug movies to four they in made money right? So that was starting with the Deadly Mantis from 1957. I feel like I remember something well, about Well, you this. probably do, because I think that it was a mystery science I theater right. movie. Both them and Tarantula were pretty well received at this point, but the Deadly Mantis was not very well received. Aww. The Deadly Mantis is about a 200 foot. That's very big. 200 feet is That's a lot. That's quite a, a lot large of feet. Yeah. Prehistoric praying mantis that becomes dislodged when a volcano melts a polar iceberg. The guys on Horopedia talk about the similarities of the giant 200 foot long praying mantis to the cold war which kind of makes sense it's essentially a patriotic military movie that keeps watch over the skies and protects millions of americans i don't really know anything about the cold war but it kind of tracks you know it's like this giant thing i don't i don't know you know know. about wars i mean but i don't you're like i don't give a shit yeah the next big bug movie was the black scorpion from 1957 any guesses what the big bug was don't tell me don't tell me Mm -hmm. um a beetle no it was actually a scorpion yeah i would have gotten it the black scorpion is actually a mexican horror film that was also about a giant volcano that unearths a lot of prehistoric creatures namely hungry scorpions giant scorpions were a real thing back in the paleolithic age there are fossils of okay i'm gonna pronounce this pulmonoscoropias you you're a kirktonosinus palm- <laughs> Which are said to be up to two feet long. So that's in real life. There were actual two feet long scorpions. Yeah. That's... Fuck the prehistoric era. I don't like that I know that now. Yeah. Anyway, the giant scorpions in the movie were created by Willis O'Brien, the same guy that did the spiders in the original King Kong hmm. that were never seen. More on this a little bit later. Sure. But this movie was considerably lower budget. So he did the special effects, which looked great. But then they made a shitty looking scorpion head so they could do close up of the scorpion head and it was so shitty looking I mean it's like the, the difference in quality is like remarkable.
1: So couldn't they just like gotten a camera that could zoom in on an actual scorpion
0: head and just project that shit? I guess not mm. I, I mean the scorpion head looks so stupid. Oh it's yeah. too bad.
1: Okay so Slate is now showing me a clip of black scorpion so I can see this lovely special effect. So oh. here's what his dumb head looks like. Okay you're gonna show me the dumb head.
0: Here he comes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's drooling. Yeah. Oh, look at I mean, that. It's, I, they do so that. That
0: looks cool, right? That's actually See cool. The, that looks very
1: Harryhausen. Yeah.
0: That's nice. S- so the actual effects look really good, but then they cut to one of their the stupid heads, heads and they're just like just spitting really, out like really KY bad. lube. Look
1: at that. Yeah. That is
0: That doesn't awful. even look like a scorpion. No. That, that looks w- like something else entirely. That's, it's
1: awful. That is absolutely awful.
0: Okay. I thought you would enjoy that. I did enjoy that. That's amazing. Damn. We're going to talk about these type of effects a little bit later. KY scorpion. All right, rounding out 1957 was The Beginning of the End, which featured giant grasshoppers and monster from green hell with giant wasps. Mm. Then there was The Cosmic Monster from 1958 that had a giant spider and Earth versus the spider, also from 1958. But big atomic bug movies were starting to fall out of fashion by the late 50s for a couple different reasons. Okay. As we always talk about, 1960 brought Psycho, which changed horror films forever. Sure. So there isn't too much movement in the big nuclear bugs category after that, but it may not have been Hitchcock that killed it off. It might have actually been a much smaller film that you may have heard about only after it was remade in the 80s. And that film was the 1958 version of The Fly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you seen the original? Uh, it's been a long time, but I know it's, it's way different than the remake. Very different. Uh-huh. So The Fly is one of my favorite old films because it manages to be weird, upsetting, and wonderful in completely different ways than the remake, which we're going to talk about later. I, okay. know, I know you want to talk about it right now. But... No, no, no. We'll
1: talk about it later. Okay. okay but I am excited about talking yep. about
0: it. But the long and short is a scientist is experimenting with a transporter machine. He tests it on his cat, which doesn't transport, but can still be heard meowing somewhere, which is kind of like the poltergeist a little bit, remember mm-hmm. that whole oh, yeah, thing? Yeah, it's yeah. like, where is that coming from? Right. The other
1: um, dimensioners. I don't
0: know. Yeah. He then transports himself and gets his DNA crossed with a fly. So he has a giant fly head and arm, and the tiny fly has a tiny human head and tiny human arm. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just one creature. It was like, it happened to the fly, too. There were still two creatures. Right. When his wife finds out, she helps him put his head and arm in a compressor, which which kills him and covers the fly evidence, so the same mistake isn't made again. The tiny fly is ultimately found, but it won't ruin the bonkers upsetting ending and what happens to it, but it's a classic scene when they find the fly. I'm Vincent Price. What an earthly horror did that girl gaze upon? What manner of incredible thing walked beneath that hood? It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. So fantastic, words can't begin to describe it. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it, when the fly comes your way. And anyway, the fascination with bugs that created big bug movies of the 50s were now starting to take on a new form, There were no longer giant looming bugs. They were now starting to be larger, as in people size, but mixed with people. Right. That would continue with Roger Corman's The Wasp Woman from 1959, which was a pretty big bite off of the fly. That was a terrible pun. I'm embarrassed about that (laughs) one. Pretty big bite off. (laughs) I was just trying to let it go, but... Thank you. you. The plot, the founder and face of a cosmetics company sees a sales decline as she starts to look older. Mm -hmm. She and a scientist discover that using the venom of the queen wasp will make you look younger but she gets impatient and takes too much and her head turns into a wasp head and then she starts to murder people of course of course it it sounds good but like many early corman movies an hour goes by before anything really happens and then the movie's only an hour and 12 minutes so it's kind of
1: yeah and it's it feels long even for that i guess right there's a lot of later corman movies that also nothing really
0: happens Uh uh-huh correct I didn't mention that the original The Fly was a huge success and actually had two sequels, Return of the Fly from 1959 and Curse of the Fly from 1965. Hmm. Return of the Fly is pretty much the same plot, but before a man gets transported into a fly man, a different man gets accidentally transported with a hamster and then is murdered. So there's that. Yeah. There's also a reverse transportation where the fly man and the man fly are turned back into their regular selves. I haven't seen either of these. Oh but. wow. In Curse of the Fly, the first two movies are pretty much ignored, although some relatives of the original The Fly show up, and a reverse transportation is also performed. Both were disappointments at the box office. We'll talk about the Cronenberg remake in in a, in a little while. Okay. So let's talk about Mothra. (laughs)
1: fucking Mothra man jeez
0: the plot of Mothra is a bit complicated because Japanese so let's just say some people go to an island where a giant egg hatches and a huge worm crawls out swims to Japan and metamorphosizes I'm not sure that's a word into a giant moth Mm -hmm. it terrorizes people and stuff until ultimately it gets chased back to the island which is kind of cool because in most of the big movie big bug movies um, they, they have to kill the thing at the end and then everyone's like yay human race you know like whatever and in this one Mothra just goes back to the island they don't have to kill Mothra in order to like finish the movie good Um, motha the character is typically seen as more heroic than other movie monsters and is also female which is a nice switch up oh she's typically most interested in protecting her island japan and sometimes earth in the different movies and she communicates with two tiny fairy girls You remember this oh yeah Yeah. that's that's some weird shit that's really weird right japanese movies sometimes you're like wow okay that happened yeah. women in japan actually uh, really identify with mothra right. um and so that's one of the reasons why there's so many mothra movies here they are mothra from 1968 there was yep. mothra versus godzilla Ghidorah and the three-headed monster mm-hmm. Ibira, horror of the deep destroy all monsters godzilla versus mothra godzilla versus space godzilla rebirth of mothra rebirth of mothra 2 rebirth of mothra 3 Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Mm. Giant Monsters All Out Attack, Godzilla Tokyo SOS, and Godzilla Final Wars from 2004. A lot of Mothra. A lot of Mothra going on.
1: Did Mothra ever face off with Gamera?
0: I don't see that in any of the titles. But man, that's bullshit, man. Maybe, maybe you should make that movie. That, it's on, man. Yeah. I have a lot to get to, so I'm going to skip to the 70s, which, unlike the 60s, had an uptick in big bug movies. Yeah. The first, The Giant Spider Invasion from 1975, was a super low-budget B-movie about a meteorite that drops spiders of all different sizes onto a small Wisconsin town. Huh. The largest of the spider is huge and goes around stuffing people into its mouth slash body, which is not the way that spiders eat but whatever yeah whatever it's fine the giant spider was actually constructed out of a Volkswagen covered in black fur Mm. with fake legs operated from the inside by seven members of the crew the back of the car was the front of the monsters and so its tail lights were the spider's glowing red eyes and the whole thing was marketed as a throwback to the 50s monster movies. It's actually a pretty fun movie. It did really well at the box office, so hence Hollywood fired out some knockoffs to capitalize. Gotta make money. This was during the time where ecology strikes back. Stories were all the rage. Yeah, People were starting to distrust pesticides and deforestation, and a bunch of movies came out dealing with man versus nature, where basically nature came for man as punishment. Yep. So a movie like Day of the Animals, Night of the Lepisode, Lepus. 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 the Lepus. giant rabbits. Yep. <laughs> Killer bees and the movie, Fro- remember the movie Frogs? Yes. Uh-huh. All had ecology strikes back themes similar to Jaws and the Birds. Yeah. The Food of the Gods from 1976 is an adaptation of an H.G. Wells story where mm-hmm. ecology basically strikes back and bubbles up a substance that rats, chickens, grub worms, and for our purposes, wasps, all eat and get really big and attack humans. Mm-hmm. In 1977, there was also another H.G. Wells big bug movie called Empire of the Ants. Remember this one? Yes, yeah. yes. Starring struggling at this point actress Joan Collins before Dynasty called. <laughs> Both of these were made by Burt I. Gordon, who was a pretty big B-movie deal at the time. Pretty yeah. much all of his movies are covered in Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Anyway, Joan Collins is showing off land on a remote island to rich people, and giant ants live on the island because of a toxic waste thing. There's kind of a twist at the end because all of the townspeople are actually being controlled by the ants. Hmm. So it's something about their pheromones. So again, it's. It's ants punishing people for creating toxic waste in the first place. Oh. Did you talk about this sometimes? Actually,
1: no. You know what? I, I missed this one. Yep. there were so many movies, but yeah, I've forgotten all about Empire. But the story behind Empire? Of the ants. I remember the movie, but I forgot that it was a, a big toxic waste type of thing. Yeah. But again, that's that era. Yeah. You know, it wasn't atomic age anymore. It was like chemicals and right. toxic waste. Yeah. Yep.
0: We've talked about Bug from 1977 Uh uh, a few times since it was the last film of William Castle. So I'll move on. But it's basically about giant cockroaches that spit fire. (laughs) Um, There was also, it has one of my favorite things too, which is there's fire and the person that catches on fire, instead of stop dropping and rolling or doing anything remotely, they just run around and catch everything else on fire. You know, they they, panic. I love that. Stop dropping and rolling.
1: That's why they teach you that.
0: There was also Giant Cockroaches in Damnation Alley from 1977. Yes. Yeah, post-apocalyptic kind of pre-Mad Max desert movie, which also had giant scorpions. Yeah, it had George Pappard and J. Michael Vincent. Oh, wow. Okay, that brings us to 1986, and that is the remake of The Fly, David Cronenberg's version. Wow. I think I speak for both of us when I say The Fly is probably on both of our best movies of all time list. Yeah. It's an amazing movie. Want to talk about it?
1: Yes. So, first of all, I want to say that we sort of make fun of Jeff Goldblum from Death Wish, kind of that he's non-threatening, but he really plays a very tragic role here. Oh, God. He's a very likable, but then ultimately just it's just sad. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he's horrible. He does horrible things, mm-hmm. but he really plays it as such a tragic figure. Yeah. And that's really what takes the movie out of being just gross-out Cronenberg stuff, because, right. I mean, it's fucking disgusting.
0: And the movie is upsetting. Like, yes. the movie hurts. Yeah,
1: Yeah. And speaking of gross stuff, I mean, you've got a baboon that's inside out, because oh. it's in the transporter, it doesn't work, and instead of disappearing and meowing somewhere where like the cat
0: right it gets to the destination and it's just a gory mess yeah one of the things i love about the fly is all of the practical effects i find it a shame that in most movies now that would all just be a bunch of cgi garbage and that that's sad you know because the real effects make it such a better movie and if all of that stuff was fake then it would have sucked you know yeah and i mean they're tangible they're there and they're just Disgusting. They're disgusting. Yeah. Oh, I love this movie. Throws up on a donut, you know, to digest it. Yeah. It's, just, it's so disgusting. Right. So for everyone listening that doesn't know the fly, the plot is a little different from the original. In this one, Jeff Goldblum is a scientist. He meets Gina Davis at a press event and brings her home to show her a thing he's been working on. Mm-hmm. It's a transporter, but he hasn't quite worked out all of the bugs yet. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. Good. God. I really what, packed what this happened? full of
0: something yes she wants to write an article about it and tells her editor and former lover as Goldbloom works out the kinks he transports himself and a housefly gets into the transporter and which seems okay at first but his body starts to change his fingernails start to fall off and he starts sprouting tough hairs on his body right it pretty much goes like that as he deteriorates and turns into a monster Gina Davis puts him out of his misery at the end similar to the original
1: right there is a
0: limit even to the imagination
1: human teleportation (laughs) Molecular decimation, breakdown and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I I had them analyzed. they were definitely not human if you saw how scared and angry and desperate he i'm sure typhoid mary was a very nice person too when you saw her socially you're changing Seth. everything about you is changing a fly got into the transmitter
0: pod with me that first time when i was alone don't go back to it could be contagious
1: be afraid be very afraid
0: So here's a few things I didn't know about The Fly before I started researching. Okay. You probably know all this stuff. Maybe, I don't know. Cronenberg was not the original intended director. He actually replaced Robert Bierman after a family tragedy. Mm. Cronenberg was offered the film and he took it. He rewrote the script and made a few tonal changes. The biggest one being the slow progression of The Fly stuff happening to Jeff Goldblum as opposed to it happening all of a sudden. Right. In the original Fly, he is like, I'm a monster. And she's like, oh my God. you know. And in this one, it takes the whole, movie is him transforming into you know right. into what he becomes at the end he shifted some elements around from the original draft namely the scene where gina davis gives birth to a giant maggot in a <laughs> dream that was terrible oh i love that scene Yeah, um, great and then he made the movie quickly and cheaply mm-hmm. when he delivered it to the studio they knew they had a hit but they wanted to run it by some test audiences first a pretty big moment was cut from the film do you know what it was so, I remember that
1: it was, he had to kill something. That's correct. He was trying to, he was an experiment that went wrong, different than the one that happened earlier on.
0: So, cat in one transporter, baboon in the other one, and they merged into one. So oh, that's like right. So, it was like a cat baboon. It, it, was a,
1: or it was, yeah, a caboon. A caboon. <laughs> Yeah, because it was his test run. Because he wanted to merge with what's her name, so it was like he was testing that out, and he came up with a caboon, right. which didn't go very well.
0: No, it was disgusting and weird and gross, and he ended up having to beat it to death. No. Uh, and so, in the original, when once they showed it, audiences thought that it wasn't great for his character development. It made him, it made them feel less sorry for him, so right. they cut that scene out. Anyway, the movie was a huge success. It's actually Cronenberg's yeah. most successful movie ever.
1: Wow, mm-hmm. it's something. I mean, it really is. A, it's a great movie. Oh, but it is unsettling it is disgusting but really just fucking tragic all the way around God, i love it i love it so much and it's a perfect film for cronenberg i mean it it fits his whole body horror thing that he did you know which was a his major theme throughout the 70s and 80s of his his early work yeah and it just fit him like a glove or he made it fit like a glove you know and like so it's a perfect theme for him
0: not to geek out over this but you know one of the things that I love about it, you know, the movie is like 92 minutes. It's not a, three hour giant yep. thing. And I love in the movie that it like opens up at this event and Jeff Goldblum is like to Gina Davis, like, hey, I'm Jeff Goldblum. And she's like, Hi, I'm Gina Davis. And he's like, Do you want to come to my house and see this thing? It's just get right into it. Right. You know, there's I not love a wasted minute in this I movie. I love how tightly cut the movie is. It's just like there's no there's no fat. They there's trimmed no fat. all the fat out of the movie. But it also
1: takes its time with him it manages to not waste anything, but right. also it doesn't speed up his descent. Right. Right. into becoming this, you know, horrible insect, uh, insect politician. Yeah, he, he was hoping he could be right. Sure.
0: A few more movies from the 80s. Blue Monkey from 1987 was kind of a giant praying mantisy looking thing that takes over a hospital wing. Hmm. The Nest from 1988 is from Roger Corman's production company. And apparently roaches kill something and then can take the shape of it. So there's some pretty gross, but of course, low budget human and animal roach hybrids. Nice. And let's not forget Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had regular Size bugs that because Rick Moran has shrunk the kids were seen as huge. Right. Anyways, they befriend an ant and call him. Do you remember this? Do you remember? How I he, remember. The,
1: I remember the movie, but I don't remember what they call the ant.
0: The giant ant's name was Auntie Lazy. Lazy naming. That pe- is lazy. Like Auntie, come on, can't Auntie? The, I forgot. Those. You know that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people name things the things that they are. I, right. That really makes me mad for some. Reason. So, Auntie actually dies. I had forgotten this movie. I actually saw it in the theater when it came out. I did too. Um, but a scorpion kills him while he's trying to defend the shrunken kids. Mm-hmm. This apparently, for some people, was like the most devastating thing that they had ever seen. The people were very upset about Auntie dying.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pour some beer on the curb for auntie yeah
0: I I don't remember any of that I don't remember much I just remember that
1: one of the kids almost got eaten with Cheerios that's what I remember
0: oh Cheerios was a thing yeah Yeah. one of the craziest most notorious stories ever is William S. Burroughs Naked Lunch Mm. and David Cronenberg's film version of it from 1991 this is embarrassing, but here's where I have to admit that I've neither seen the whole movie nor read the whole book. I've tried to do both of those things at numerous times in my life. I've never been able to finish either of them. You
1: know what? We're on agreement with that. I okay. couldn't finish the fucking book. Honestly, I'm not a Burroughs fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, the movie, I think I might have finished it, but I was like, the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And I like weird shit. Me too, me too. I, I just could I not get to that movie. I find it upsetting that I don't like Naked Lunch. You know? I just I could not get into that. I'm I'm with you 100%. Don't get it. Don't. All right. We're probably yeah. going to hear
0: about this because Naked Lunch has got some fans out there, and that's there. fine.
1: I appreciate that. I mean, again, I didn't really get into Suspiria either, so I'm just saying, you know, we yeah. talked about that before.
0: Right. If any If anyone uh, would like to plead a case, make a case for Naked Lunch, we can probably try it. We can try it I mean, again. Yeah, I'm willing to try Maybe. it again. I want to like it. It's just I don't.
1: It just didn't. Yeah, it didn't do it for me to either. So we're in agreement in that at least. Yeah.
0: There was this movie Ticks from 1993. <laughs> do you remember Ticks? <laughs> no. I used to watch it in high school. So I, don't I don't remember yeah, but I like it. I like that. From what I remember, these kids go to camp. I think it's like either like like a Jesus camp or like a scared straight camp where they send like bad kids, you know, Southern to like Southern Baptist camp, something like, you like used to that. Go to, yeah. yeah, and it's next to a marijuana farm that uses steroids to pump the pot plants up. It's kind of like the plot from Leeches a little bit. It's like steroids, steroids you bugs. know, right. And all of these ticks get into it, and of course they get all huge and gross. I feel like it was a good movie, though. Like, I remember watching ticks more than once. I don't I remember anything from ticks, yeah. but that's awesome. There was also Skeeter from 1993. I remember Skeeter. I remember Skeeter, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Skeeter. The Mosquito from 1995. Mm-hmm. There's a movie called Bugged in 1997. I kind of went back and forth about whether to talk about Starship Troopers or not, just because it really is an alien movie. They just look like giant bugs. So I'm going to say that they're not big bugs that they're aliens that that genre of movie is an alien movie not a big bug movie that's fair
1: and I will say they do call them bugs uh-huh. in the movie Bite the bugs or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, they're that's fine. They're aliens. But I, I do like that movie. And it's have you gross. seen
0: have you seen it recently? Not too long ago. It's, mm-hmm. I still like it. It's very good. It is. a very, very good film. It's it holds really up fun. Too. And then there was Mimic from 1997. Yep. I don't really know where I stand on Mimic. I didn't see it when it came out originally. Yeah. But part of me wants to love it because it's Guillermo del Toro. Right. But it has a lot of problems. Have you it seen does. this? Yeah. I mean, a, a while back. Rough plot a cockroach disease is killing children and an entomologist and a guy from the CDC come up with a solution. It's a mutated roach breed, which kills off the diseased roaches. Mm-hmm. But the mutated bugs began developing on their own super quick underneath the subways in New York City. That's probably true. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, they learn to mimic humans, hence the name Mimic. mimic yeah. So they are giant cockroaches that are acting kind of like people. Guillermo del Toro actually hated the version the studios put out in 97, but he finally got his own version out a few years ago and that's the version now that's considered the version so like i watched it on amazon every time i found it it was always like the director's cut so he must have somehow erased the original cut and got his director's cut to be now the version that you watch
1: are you a fan yeah you know i don't mind the premise as an early film of his yeah it's got problems I don't know I like the concept and the bugs are the okay concept. and I like that they when they had their shell on them it actually looked kind of like a human face in a trench coat yep I like so that. so I like that whole idea that they had evolved to mimic humans but they just their basic shape was human esque and so when they moved around at night they look like people
0: yeah I feel like I thought that part was fine mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with it I, I just didn't like all of the superfluous stuff you know there's a m- romance there's a yeah. baby subplot there's all of these other like subplots that like went into it. It was like, just make a simple movie about bugs that mimic humans. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you don't need all this extra Hollywood crap. Yeah. You know? cut, cut
1: it down. Learn the lesson from the Fly remake right. and exactly. get it get it shorter. Yeah. Trim the fat. Fun fact, I was going to bring this movie up in kid counting because I think the roaches actually kill some kids. Two kids. Two yeah, kids. the
0: kids that end up finding it and bringing it to the woman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I know. You're kind of like, oh, they killed the kids. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't talk yeah. about it. Anyway, Eight-Legged Freaks mm-hmm. was kind of the last big attempt Hollywood made at making a throwback big bug movie and it didn't really go over very well. Mm-mm. Eight-Legged Freaks is a horror comedy about a quiet little desert town where some toxic waste gets spilled and then a spider collector feeds toxic waste crickets and other shit to all of his exotic spiders. Mm-hmm. They all get huge and terrorize the town, including David Arquette and Scarlett Johansson, was in this movie. I forgot about that. It's not a bad movie, but it kind of falls apart in the second half, and it didn't really do much for critics, and the box office was bad. So that was kind of the end of that. That was the last big bug, you know, kind of movie, throwback movie, you know. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So remember when I mentioned the giant spiders from the 1933 version of King Kong earlier, but listed them from 1954 as the first movie with big bugs? Mm -hmm. The rumor goes that there was a scene in the original King Kong where the members of the crew are knocked off of a fallen tree over a pit that's filled with huge, nasty, prehistoric creatures, amongst them a big, nasty-looking spider. Right. However, the scene was cut for reasons we don't know, but most historians would say it was too gruesome for 1933 audiences. Hmm. All that footage was ultimately lost forever. So That's it's only a rumor that this scene existed at some point, but huh. no one's ever seen it. So when Peter Jackson remade the movie in 2005, he not only shot the infamous spider pit scene for his own movie, yeah, know, he went one step further. So let's talk about 2005's King Kong for a second. Right. Did you see it?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, oh, you didn't like it. Well, here's the thing.
1: I... No, I didn't like it. Here's why. Too fucking long. There's way too much footage of Naomi Watts longingly looking at Kong, Kong longingly looking at Naomi sure. Watts while she's longingly looking at Kong uh-huh, okay. looking at Naomi Watts. Uh-huh. I did like the bug scene. Uh-huh. I did like Kong beating out the dinosaurs. and mm-hmm. I mean, I liked enough of the movie, but that shit needed to
0: be trimmed out. Got it. I I actually really love the movie, okay. and I love the the original. I think it's really one of the finest films no it's ever very, made. Yeah, it's great, and technically it's a masterpiece. So it's like, and again, you know me, I've got a boner for the original. of I've got a I agree. boner I, for I, t- I'm not technical argue effects the that aren't fake. You know, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But I actually really enjoy. I don't think it's the best movie ever made. The remake, but I enjoyed watching it. I've seen it a few times. Right. I thought it was a pleasant watch. So. Peter Jackson first saw King Kong on TV and was fascinated by it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And after he made The Frighteners, Universal asked him if he wanted to remake it. He kind of wasn't really thrilled, but then he realized that if he didn't, somebody else was going to, right. and he wanted it you know, done right. Years of bad scripts, cancellations, and Lord of the Rings movies later, Peter Jackson actually ended up making the film with the main objective of keeping it as close to the original as possible, and it was a hit. Yeah. It did well at the U.S. box office, it did better at the global box office, and record breaking on the DVD market, selling almost $200 million worth of DVDs in the U.S. alone. Wow. But let's talk about the bug scene. Okay. So a film crew goes to a remote island in the 30s where basically prehistoric things still exist dinosaurs, giant insects, and of course a giant gorilla. King Kong chases them and they fall into a pit where basically every disgusting creature you can think of, mostly things that resemble crickets, larvae, and beetles, come out and right, attack right, them. Right. Two worms and shit. Yeah, those things were really gross. Yeah, they, um, were, they were like penis, uncircumcised penis monsters. They were kind penis of. monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This might be the first time since The Fly that actually had some scenes that were really nightmare-inducing, at least for me. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, At the time, this shit looked really real no it was good that part holds up I remember being very skeeved out by that not a lot skeeves me out but remember when I told you that he did more than just film this scene Mm -hmm. he actually remade the 1933 scene in the same way that the original was filmed and included it on the DVD version oh wow so he researched the scene found out as much as he could and filmed it in black and white with the cast and only used the technology they had at the time to remake the scene of what he thought was the lost scene I didn't know that so I won't show you the whole thing. You can watch it on your own time. But just to get an idea of it, here it is. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. Was, yeah. uh, put, put that, that on it the d- site. Yeah, I'm going to put it on the site. Yeah. So it's just a really interesting thing. I love. I did a good job with it. I yeah. It, it mimicked that time really well. Yeah. And it, it looks great, but in a way that's he was true to it you know yeah. he clearly loved the film King Kong clearly you know There have been a few less notable Big Bug movies, like Glass Trap from 2005, the movie Mansquito, Mansquito (laughs) is the name of the movie, and Slither from 2006. But the last Big Bug movie I want to talk about was one that I actually really loved, and that is the film version of the Stephen King short story, The Mist, from 2007. Oh, yeah. Did you see this? Yes, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Quick plot summary. There's a storm, and a bunch of people go to the grocery store to get supplies. Suddenly, a mist comes rolling through town, brought on by the storm, Presumably, and it brings a bunch of monsters, big and small, some Mm -hmm. of which are insect-like in nature. Yeah. The storm somehow opened up a portal that I guess was like a different dimension. The rest of the movie takes place inside the grocery store where the townspeople slowly unravel and turn on each other. Right. But let's talk about the bug scenes. Okay. The first time you get a look at anything is when a tentacle grabs a bag boy and pulls him into the mist. But the first time you see a big bug is at night when giant mosquito-like things all start congregating on the store window outside. Remember, right. that's kind, yeah. of a, kind of a really cool scene. Yeah, yeah. Things seem okay, like they're not, they don't seem like they're trying to get in until a bigger pterodactyl thing starts to eat them and the glass breaks and everything pours inside. Do you remember this part? Mm -hmm. One of the cashiers is stung on the neck by the mosquito things and she blows up real big and dies. They manage to barricade themselves into the store. The next day when they try to get into the pharmacy to get medication, it's all like spider webby. Yeah. yeah. And they discover a guy all wrapped up and then like a million little spiders pour out of his face. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Love it. To make matters worse, they're giant parent spiders who shoot acid webs out of their faces like Spider-Man does, but they're that. made of acid. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I won't ruin the ending, but there's actually a really huge praying mantis-like monster that snatches up people and eats them like throughout the ending. It is time to take sides. Read the good book. It calls for blood.
1: Guys, I hear something. Are those bugs? Not like any I've ever seen. Whoa. The entire front of this door is plain glass. I you let the monsters get me. What were you guys
0: messing with up there? I thought that there were other dimensions. They wanted to try and make a window.
1: Well, maybe your window turned out to be a door. Ah,
0: no! she's gonna sacrifice to make it all
1: better we want the boy you try it kill
0: him. are you a fan of this movie
1: yeah I mean I, I do like that movie the trope I hate about movies is the the crazy religious person that should have been killed way earlier on than they are uh huh I, I hate that person I mean I, and I know that's the point of that person right but it's like shoot that motherfucker earlier on you have other real problems they're gonna be an issue right that person is not going to they so, they're not gonna help they're not bringing any, any
0: help right
1: yeah. and right. so it was like It was cathartic Clearly, it was supposed to be when they killed her. I know it's got nothing to do with the big bugs. I, uh-huh. I like the big bugs. I think it was fine. Some of the effects were a little wonky, but I liked it overall. There were some wonky effects, but yeah, it just the crazy religious people—you know—are going to be a problem. Sorry, just you got to get someone rid just them. pull out a gun and shoot You're them. you just going yeah. to have get rid of them.
0: Okay, that's totally fair.
1: All right, that's the only thing I I have about okay. that movie. And a very that, dark ending, though. I'm not going to spoil it if Ooh. you haven't seen it. Yeah, but extremely dark. That was rough. Dark. Yeah. You
0: could have used that one in uh, killing kids. Ki- kids killing. Kid killing. Kid killing. Killin'. Yeah. Yeah. That was a rough ending. It was yeah. very rough, though. Yeah. I actually really liked the movie. Movie, so. No, it's good. It's a good movie. All right. So that's where I'm leaving this episode, ending with the mist. What do you think about Big Bugs?
1: Good, good. Mm-hmm. I actually had a, an alibi for you. There was one that's on Netflix that came out a few years ago. And it's sort of like a cross between like Skeeter and Party Down. Uh-huh. It's called Stung. And it's about mm-hmm. these people catering a party. And like these mutant wasps come out. And when they sting you, then bigger bugs emerge
0: from you. And you right. become this, it's, a, it's a Big Bug I movie. saw Stung, yeah. actually. And you know it was kind of neither here nor there but yeah it wasn't like it was like a dinner party it was, a and dinner party. Party. It was like an outdoor dinner yeah. party and all these like wasps they focused around the caterers weren't there like two caterers yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. So. but the cover is actually really cool it's the profile of a woman. I, I think I'm getting this one. Yeah, right. with the stinger in her giant. Yeah, that's right Yeah, it's a good photo. I actually really enjoyed that one, too. Yeah, yeah that was was, fun. Was
1: That's the fun. only other one I can think of that really didn't. Of course, you know, in Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter had giant spiders. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then, you know.
0: And uh, star, one of the Star, you know, I know nothing about Star Wars movies. One of the Star Wars movies has giant bugs in I it, too. Know. You know? There were definitely a lot of movies that kind of like had them. And I talked about some of them, you right. know, obviously King Kong. That was not the point of the movie. It, I picked and chose. And I think the whole giant bug
1: thing preys on the field fear of, well, the fear of bugs. That I know, have. Uh-huh. That you have. And I mean, I don't even like regular size bugs. And I like regular ones And so having a big ass bug does trigger that fear in the back of your mind. Like, oh, great. I can't just step on this motherfucker. Right, sure. I mean, I, that's going to yeah. be Yeah, and
0: and the strategizing of how to kill it. Most big bug movies end with the destruction of the big bugs in right. some way. And then everyone's like, yay, Earth. And,
1: yeah, we saved Earth from a big bug yeah. thing. But yeah, no, it was a great episode. And it, I like it when we talk about like the B-movie. I mean, we t- always talk about B-movies, but yeah. you know, the, the genre B-movies movies of like killer bugs is fun yeah i the think sci-fi aspect of that is always great
0: yeah kick ass uh-huh. good, good episode good thank you well hope everyone enjoyed big bugs we will see you next week
1: all right have a good one thanks for listening to slums of film history you can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today along with pictures videos and additional resources as well as sunday slum day our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every sunday night
0: If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. And she communicates with two tiny fairy girls. You remember this? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's some weird shit. That's man. really weird. Right. Japanese people. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that. And-